welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. My name is Craig. I'm going to be your host today. Just let Sensei in. Today we have with us Ted, Dennis, Lou, and Buddy's on the road. Buddy's in Florida, or Florida area. So if you're in the area, just drop by and say hello to him. He'll be fishing. I think he's gone fishing. So today we're discussing the, the, the 20th verse of the Tao. I'll read two of the verses. I hope you can understand me. Verse 20. This is the Gifu Fang translation. Give up learning and end and put an end to your troubles. Is there a difference between yes and no? Is there a difference between good and evil? Must I fear what others fear? What nonsense? Other people are contended, enjoying the sacrificial feast of the ox. In spring, some go to the park and climb the terrace, but I alone am drifting, not knowing where I am. Like a newborn babe before it learns to smile, I am alone without a place to go. Others have more than they need, but I alone have nothing. I am a fool. Oh yes, I am confused. Others are clear and bright, but I alone am dim and weak. Others are sharp and clever, but I alone am dull and stupid. Oh, I drift like the waves of the sea, without direction like the restless wind. Everyone else is busy, but I alone am aimless and depressed. I am different. I am nourished by the great mother. And the Stephen Mitchell, Stephen Mitchell translation. Stop thinking and end your problems. Now, I've probably heard that every single week for the past five and a half years. I think it's just, I think just, you know, when something happens, you think that's a sign. When Buddy says, yeah, you're hosting the meeting tonight. It just happens to be that one. So stop thinking and end your problems. What difference between yes and no? What difference between success and failure? Must you value what others value? Avoid what others avoid? How ridiculous. Other people are excited as though they were at a parade. I alone don't care. I am expressionless like an infant before it can smile. Other people have what they need. I alone possess nothing. I alone drift like someone without a home. I am like an idiot. My mind is so empty. Other people are bright. I alone am dark. Other people are sharper. I alone am dull. Other people have a purpose. I alone don't know. I drift like a wave on the ocean. I blow as aimless as the wind. I am different from ordinary people. I drink from the great mother's breast. So that's Stephen Mitchell. Sensei, what translation are you going with? Yeah, would you like to, to read uh, Jonathan Starr? Yes, please, yeah. Okay, he kind of leaps into it a little differently. The difference between a formal yes and a casual yeah, how slight. The difference between knowing the truth and not knowing it, how great. Must I fear what others fear? Should I fear desolation when there is abundance? Should I feel darkness when that light is shining everywhere? Nonsense. The people of this world are steeped in their merrymaking. 
as if gorging at a great feast or watching the sights of springtime. Yet here I sit without a sign, staring blank-eyed like a child. I am but a guest in this world. While others rush about to get things done, I accept what is offered. Oh, my mind is like that of a fool, aloof to the clamor of life around me. Everyone seems so bright and alive with the sharp distinctions of day. I appear dark and dull with the blending of differences by night. I am drifting like an ocean, floating like the high winds. Everyone is so rooted in this world, yet I have no place to rest my head. Indeed, I am different. I have no treasure but the eternal mother. I have no food but what comes from her breast. Excellent. Thank you very much. So what's everybody's initial thoughts on the, the differences between the readings? Did you, uh, did you want the dire one? Yeah, we could go for that and see what he's got to say as well, see if it will shed any more light. Now, give up learning and you will be free from all your cares. What is the difference between yes and no? What is the difference between good and evil? May, must I fear what others fear? Should I fear desolation when there is abundance? Should I fear darkness when that light is shining everywhere? In spring, some go to the park and climb the terrace, but I alone am drifting, not knowing where I am. Like a newborn babe before it learns to smile, I am alone, without a place to go. Most people have too much. I alone seem to be missing something. Mine is indeed the mind of an ignoramus in its unadulterated simplicity. I am but a guest in this world. While others rush about to get things done, I accept what is offered. I alone seem foolish, earning little, spending less. Other people strive for fame. I avoid the limelight, preferring to be left alone. Indeed, I seem like an idiot. No mind, no worries. I drift like a wave on the ocean. I blow as aimless as the wind. All men settle down in their grooves. I alone am stubborn and remain outside. But wherein I am most different from others is in knowing to take sustenance from the great mother. So there are several parallels with Zen teachings, but I'm, I'd, I'd rather not just go through those. I'd rather hear what people have to say or ask and try to respond to that from a Zen perspective, if you like. From the first from the first two readings, from the guy through Feng, the Stephen Mitchell, and then the, the Wayne Dyer version, I'm kind of confused about the, the, the Jonathan Starr. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why he, he starts off saying the difference between a formal yes and a casual yeah. Um, yeah, you skipped that first line. Yeah, the, the, the first ones I can see, they are, the, I, I really think they're getting us to um, stop trying to do so much and start being. So stop wanting wanting so much and just start experiencing life. Um, yep. I, I hear, I, we see all these people at like at college, university for like 20, 30 years. And then they come out and, you know, they don't really have any practical experience in, in what they do. Yep, yep. I think no issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one, I think there's several parts to this one. It's asking, first of all, it's asking us to stop doing and start being for a while. 
Um, and then it's rhetorically asking us, you know, what really different, what real difference is it going to make if you if you do it or if you don't do it? I don't think they're right. actually looking for specific questions. It's certainly anti-countercultural, uh, this idea, but there's also something a little bit pat about it. From my perspective, it's a little too simple to say this. And I think uh, we want to look at the author as not saying, he's not lecturing us. He's not mm-hmm. saying, I- I'm like this and you're not. You know, I have to, you know, teach you this because you're so stupid you don't get it or something i don't think he's saying that he's when he says i and the translator of course said i who knows what the original chinese said but uh it's kind of like uh buddha was said to step forth from his mother's womb fully formed seven paces north south east and west finger pointing to the heaven a finger and finger pointing to the earth, say, above the heaven and below the heaven, I alone am the most honored one. Sounds very egocentric, but he's I, the I that he's speaking of is you. It's not him. And I think we have the same thing here. He's saying, I appear dark and dull. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking this to heart, you recognize that we have been like this. This is how we are running around like the rat race and so forth. And then he's saying that actually the real you is not like this. The real you is different in these ways. And so it comes off sounding kind of finger shaking, lecturing, but I don't think that's the intent of the tone. I think it's more like trying to help you see through, see through what society seductions and attractions that society holds out and that are supposed to be what we're after, what we what will make us happy, you know. Do you think it's kind of like trying to make us see through the busyness that we subject ourselves to? Yeah, yeah. We fall for it. <laughs> we go for it, you know. Every single, it's just every like a, yep. it's like any addiction, you know, it works. Uh, the reason drugs and alcohol and all the other addictions work is because they work. And they work for a while. And the, the addiction to fame and fortune, uh, its status, et cetera, is another addiction. Ted? Yeah. Um, I'm seeing it from a, a little different angle because I've been reading John Minford's translation. And within John Minford's book is something by a person named Magister, and I don't know how to say the last name or the first name. L-I-U, Lu, Magister Lu. And it's it's kind of interesting what he says. Is he, he puts it as, be rid of all cleverness and false knowledge. Return to simplicity, to true knowledge. Once desire is quelled, once false learning is done away with, calamity can gain no foothold, and there's an end to sorrow. Um. In, in that translation or in that thought of, of this uh, verse, I see um, being rid of cleverness and false knowledge says a lot. It's what you maybe it maybe it's what you think things mean. You really have to give things thought. You can't just talk off the top of your head like I'm doing. You have to really think about what's what's happening. And once the cleverness and false knowledge is gone, 
there's there's an end to um, well, let's say gnashing of teeth or sorrow or something like that. Um, I find uh, this interpretation rather understandable to me. Um, he says he's dull and listless like the boundless ocean. Uh, again, there's the uh, idea of water. And I think water means an awful lot in the, in the Taoist uh, positioning. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what this translation is all about. All I can do is think about it. And I think that's basically the idea. I think the idea is to think about things, is to give it some real thought. As a matter of fact, I find that uh, John Minford's uh, own translation of the same uh, verse is a little bit different. He says, how, is, how different is yes from no, and how good differs from bad? Uh, what others fear must surely be feared. Such propositions confuse, and there's no end to them. I'm again, I'm not quite sure exactly what he's saying, but I think the whole idea of Taoism is to think about what's what's being said, to think about what's being proposed. That's how there can be so many different translations. Are we missing the obvious, do you think? Do you think a lot of this is about comparisons? I you know, I really don't know if it's about comparisons or not. I think it's more about yes is definitely different from no in my thought, but maybe in other people's thought, yes from no has very little difference. Um, it's, a, it's an opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I disagree with the, with the normal uh, saying of, of opinion about everybody has, has opinions. They're like assholes and they stink. I don't believe that. I believe that they're more like a heart. They keep you alive. Opinions keep you alive. They're neither right or wrong. They just keep you alive. Stop thinking and end your problems. I was thinking, for me, that most of my problems still from me trying to figure things out instead of me just observing things happen. And I can say the parallel I see to that, and there's a huge parallel to that in meditation, isn't there? Like learning with meditation, I had to stop trying to figure meditation out and just sit. Um, yeah, the uh, is express, it, expression Dogen uses he called it non non thinking. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, Dogen was, for those who don't know, may not know, 13th century Japan introduced uh, Soto Zen into Japan from China. He was Japanese, but he had gone to China and come back. So he. Uh, he brought back the emphasis on meditation, which Rinzai was established in Japan at that time. But their 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 use of meditation is for thinking about koans and solving koans. And he uh, brought back this other method of uh, sitting in the koan, not thinking about it. Uh, so when we sit in zazen, we're in the koan, the physical uh, koan of everyday life, or so-called genjo koan, in Japanese. So uh, it's not about thinking our way to enlightenment. It's about sensory learning and and engaging like a baby, like a child, as he's saying in this poem, uh, returning to our original mind, which is before thinking, before language. And uh, non-thinking, 
Pastor Dogen uh, identified this sort of middle state where you're not thinking your way to enlightenment or trying to, and you're not trying to not think, you're not suppressing thought. You're sitting, paying full attention to everything, including thoughts. Thoughts may come and go, but that's not what you're doing. You're not doing analysis and thinking in the usual sense that we mean it. So more like a child, fully aware, fully conscious. Uh, but you don't have many ideas as a child. You don't have many concepts and you don't have much language. And so your, your experience is very much more naked or bare, sometimes called bare awareness. And uh, it's not anything new that we're cultivating. It's something we're returning to. It's a more natural state of mind. And so I think a, the gist of this poem uh, would probably include thinking as one of these things that we overdo. We overthink everything. And he's putting in a social context of all of this stuff that we go chasing after and sounding kind of superior saying, don't do that. <laughs> you know. But it's a kindly, kindly uh, compassionate advice from somebody who's been there, done that, and has found out that you don't need to really. You just, and I think it's a little too pat, as I said, just telling people, yes, there's a slight difference between a casual yeah and yes and, and knowing the truth and not knowing a great difference there. And there is a huge difference, uh, as the prior commentator was just saying, between yes and no. Some languages like Japanese don't have a specific definitive no because they consider it impolite to say no to anything. They sort of, well, I'll take it under advisement kind of thing, you know, and they may not do anything about if they even sound like they're agreeing to do something. Don't, don't plan on it happening because it may not, but there's, they're not saying no. Exactly. Is this verse maybe telling us that it's okay not to have the same as everybody else? Is it okay not to have the same as everybody else? Because it's, it's saying to us that um, other people have what they need. I alone possess nothing. And that's okay. You know, do, do I really need to be um, chasing after what everybody else has rather than rather than take my eye off of yeah. exactly what yeah. I need in life? Yeah. You know, the, Craig, Craig, I, you know, I tend to agree with what you're thinking. I think that if it concerns anything outside of our control, you have to train yourself not to worry about it. Um, and the only things that are in, within our control are our own opinions, aspirations, desires, you know, so forth. And it's really, it's really quite simple. It is just knowing what you can and can't control. You can't control anything except for your own thoughts. So don't worry about it. It's easy to say, depending on circumstance, if you look at, uh, you know, Ukraine and you look at the school shootings and things, you you can't simply take a laissez-faire attitude about somebody banging the door and shooting the place up. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and yet you may not be able to control it either, but you have to do something. You have to do what you can. So that's yeah. what I mean when I say it seems a little too pat, but I don't think he's talking about those extreme kind of situations. He's talking about the general churning of the consumer society kind of thing, you know, as I take it, as I read it. I think is I think it's all fair and well us us sitting here saying you know these are the things that I can control, but I think it's it's realizing things in the heat of the moment. 
Um, it's like working the steps. You know, I, I know that I have to be working the steps on a daily basis to um, to keep my to keep that maintenance of my spiritual condition. If I've got um, if I've got things coming up, if I've got if, if if I come up against challenges, adversities, we're going through something at the moment that's that's, that's pretty. You know, there's there's a lot of fear going on in what's what's happening at the moment. And it's right. remembering at the at the time when these things crop up that you know I'm powerless over this. You know, it's my automatic reaction to you know want to try and control situations and and and, and yeah. hurting myself talking about me wanting to try and um, argue about just things that are happening because they're happening. You know, I'm I'm trying to control outcomes that I have absolutely no control over. Uh, and and it's, it is it's very difficult remembering that in the heat of the moment when things aren't quite going the way that what I term as they should be, but obviously they're happening because they're just supposed to happen. Buddy? Like the line, should I fear desolation when there is abundance? Mm. Well, when you have a drought and you have forest fires and you have Ukraine at war, the food basket of Europe, then uh, there's not going to be abundance in that situation. Mm. So you could re-ask this question. You said, should I fear desolation when there is desolation? Mm. Buddy? I had a question. That phrase, should I fear what others fear? I find myself, even when I've got plenty of money in the bank, fearing that uh, I'm not going to have money in the bank. Or <laughs> I, I think all of that, uh, part the yes and no, all the other things. Maybe for me, I was thinking it may be just that uh, I can't take things at face value. I don't know what's good or bad. I've had lots of times in life where what appeared to be a bad situation ended up being a good situation and vice versa. Um, I didn't know how Zen spoke to that kind of attitude, Sensei, or the, the, uh, the idea of, of fearing what others fear, uh, you know, I think what he's saying is, you know, they're wrong to get caught up in all of this. You don't have to be caught up in all the anguish all the time is one thing I'm seeing that I'd be curious to from from a Zen perspective, what if that's touched in some way? Well, uh, we fear to a certain degree, aging, sickness, and death, the three cardinal points, Buddhist uh, dukkha, change, suffering, uh, that we're, we face in, as, in life. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to go through. My mother was uh, in her 90s when she died, and she was never, she said, afraid of dying. Death, she was afraid of the process of dying, of what she would have to go through and, you know, suffering and, so I think on a reasonable basis, we have to say to some degree, of course, we f- we fear what other people fear. We, you know, I don't know if you could say we, Buddhism attributes everything to ignorance, basically all the problems and suffering in the world, to, mostly to human ignorance. And so you could say, do you fear ignorance? Well, you probably should, you know, we should probably do what we can to help people get over their own ignorance or uh, you know, get beyond their own ignorance. That's what Buddhist training is all about. But uh, those are all very social dimension kind of problems or ways of looking at it. On a personal level, 
uh, Zen claims to not only be a way of having a method, Zazen meditation, a way of confronting life, but also a way of confronting death. So in the face of life and death or birth and death, you'd have to ask yourself, what is the place of fear? Apparently, do we fear being born? We don't know. I mean, you're not conscious enough before you're born. But is it logical to fear dying? Probably not, because it's it's the same thing in a way as birth. Um, but having death inflicted upon our loved ones, families, friends, and so forth, unnecessarily, and you know, by people who are trying to accomplish things that are profound level of ignorance. Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say we should fear that. You know, God-fearing man is a is a positive thing in, in theism or Christianity. It, to be God-fearing is to be respectful. Uh, to us, from a Buddhist perspective, it would be strange to have a God that you fear. But I don't think that's what they mean by fear. It's more like a a respect for a power greater than oneself, you could say, is a kind of fear, but it's not a uh, maybe not a paranoid fear or a negative fear. I, when I look at pictures of the sun, you know, we have all this wonderful new imagery now, close-ups of the sun. It's terrifying to me. <laughs> just just to see what that thing is is just terrifying. I see we have a hand up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on so long. No, I, I live in Scotland, so I don't really see the sun that much. So I fear it every single day. It's like this big burning ball of fire coming out the, coming out the sky. <laughs> Lou? Yeah. Um, a while back, I was thinking of talking about it in terms of um, fear and uh, fear of things or being uncomfortable things and wanting to change them. Um and it, it brought me back to a time where I was really upset about something. I, mean, I was really angry about, I think it was a, a, a um, human rights issues in Africa. There was a drought, there was war. And I was really, really upset that um, our, our president at the time, nobody was doing anything about it. And I, I learned that I, <laughs> I learned to ask, what's the payoff in me being upset? What's the payoff for me being so engaged in this? And it was some yeah. kind of righteous anger that, by God, they should do something. Um, if I was in charge, I'd do something. And then when I come up to these things where there's fear or there's controversy, uh, I try to think about it with some diligence. And, well, what what's the next right action for me? And where's that coming from? Is it coming from compassion? Is it coming from some kind of self-importance? And I know it's a bit off from what we're talking about, but somehow for me that that motivator we have and it's um, the quality of that motivator or the lack of quality of that motivator somehow factors into this for me. Yeah, and is it really an avoidance technique where we're, we're getting obsessed with this because our world is falling apart all around us and we are we don't want to face up to that take yeah. care of business I think it's interesting Lou said that as well and, and just it, 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 you know when you sit down and you're talking to people and you've, you've had all these signs for the past couple of weeks going on and you're like oh right that's what it means so Sensei you, you mentioned about the God fearing and I was talking to a couple of sponsees about the about um, 
the reluctance to accept a power greater than themselves because they came up with this um, this ideal that that God is a punishing God or that they've been brought yeah. up a certain way within the churches. And I think your explanation of the God fearing with you know, having the respect of God or the respect for God was absolutely fantastic. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to remember that um, and relate that back to the sponsors. Lou, you mentioned about, um, you were talking about, again, just trying to control outcomes, trying to control situations and the fear and getting to the root of the fear. Now, I talked to Buddy about absolutely everything. And just Buddy being my sponsor, he's, he's the guy that I dump absolutely everything on. And the first thing he came back to me was, right, so what's what's the root of your fear? What's, what, what is the base? What, what What's really behind it? And I think to myself, do you know what? Ted hit it on the head. Ted, Ted hit the nail on the head as well. I'm trying to control the outcomes. I'm not remembering the fact that yeah. I cannot control everything. Um, in fact, you know what? I can't control anything. So, again, it's just remembering it. In the heat of the moment, so I just want to acknowledge everything there. Everybody has said has been, you know, it's, it's been so, um, it's been so relevant to what what we're going through here. Um, and I just want to thank you for that because it's, it's kind of it's, it's hitting things home that it's not me that's, that's 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 really at fault here. It's my humanness that's automatically jumping to these reactions um, and not accepting things for how they are. Well, sometimes uh, you don't want to accept things the way they are because it's some human being doing something stupid. Mm. And that doesn't mean that's a God-given or natural phenomenon that you're witnessing. You're witnessing the error of human judgment, you know, so you have to do something about it. You have to, you know, Buddha, Jataka tales of Buddha's killing the swordsman on the boat and all of these kind of stories were in that realm where he stepped in and, and did what have to had to be done, and it seems to violate the Buddhist principles of compassion and peacefulness. But it, uh, it has to, compassion has to be balanced with wisdom. And in threatening situations, which that's what life is—a threatening situation. Uh, these things are going to come up. In uh, my seventy-two years, I found out one thing: that I'm very ignorant. Um, there's certain there, there things was Einstein, are... and Einstein said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's certain things that I can control and most things I can't. Uh, for instance, I heard, you know, Ukraine brought up a number of times. Uh, let's let's suppose that the president of the United States decided to give 80 million dollars to uh, the war effort over in Ukraine. Um, that's part of my part of that money is mine. And I'm all for it. I think we should be doing something. And that's. That's something, you know, I, I understand the hesitation. But let's say that I didn't go along with it. I don't want my money to go there. Within that $80 million is my money, and there ain't nothing I can do about it. If I want to yell and scream and say, hey, I don't want my money to go to, to, to Ukraine, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. It's going to go there. Because the decision has been made, and there's nothing I can do about it. So let me let me turn back around. To in my 72 years, I found out something that I'm extremely ignorant. Most of the things that I say, maybe I don't even believe. <laughs> you know, um, I, I guess that's really all I have to say is that. I can't even pretend to be very clever or very smart about anything because, frankly, I'm not. I remember That's when the I had to do it. Beginning, I, I, of, I, the beginning I, of wisdom. 
<laughs> I had to pay child maintenance for, for my older daughter, which I had absolutely no problem doing it, but I could see the money not getting spent where it's supposed to get doing. So in part of the conversation with the, the child maintenance people were, you know, can I pay them vouchers? Can I, can I give her vouchers for, you know, food halls and that, that she can go and buy food for my daughter or clothes? And it's like, no, you know, your money has to go across and she will do what she wants with it. So that just that just hit home. That did. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about a Mark Twain quote. I've actually got it in front of me. I have I have a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. Yeah, yeah. We have a hand Dennis? up. Yes. Well, first I was thinking when Sensei say that you can't accept everything, but at least I can accept that I can't accept anything or everything <laughs> at that at that given moment, right? And when I come to that moment, that, that comes with some relief and, and a little laughter sometimes. Uh, and and it, it's the same with my thoughts. My first thought was here, it was kind of interesting how the author was taking the least favorable uh, position of these, right? When you say that other people yeah. are bright, I am dark. Yeah. Um, and other people, they have what they need and I, I possess nothing. So it's the least favorable for the thinking mind. Right? But it also starts saying stop thinking and end all your problems. Um, and I've always thought about these teachers here. Whenever it is, it is timeless. We can still use it today. And um, and it's funny how uh, we're still talking about the, uh, the the this and that or the pro and con. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all that, and and it's always mind baffling to me, um, and and, I'm, and I always have to to try to just observe it. But you can't have one without the other in the physical world here, right? When we're talking about the forms and our perceptions and and the way we 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 we, we are experiencing life through through our senses and um, and that, then then you you have to have those opponents unless you 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 become. The observer, I think, when you can go beyond yeah, that. And, yeah, and yeah. that's why I kind of find it interesting. So after we sit and we talk about it and, and I don't have to, to, to come up with an answer to this, I can actually see that, that in, in, in his responses to that, I alone don't care. It doesn't mean he don't care about people, but I don't get caught up in excitement and want to do a parade. That's actually less stressful and there's no fear in that. And uh, and when you don't possess nothing, you don't have anything to lose. So all these things begin to make sense okay. somehow that you're just living. Um, and I, I, of course, when I the last one I, in, in Stephen Mitchell's translation here, the last stanza when he says, "I drink from the great mother mother's breasts." Um, first, I thought, "Is does he live off the earth?" Was my first thing, or is it just because he's He's a being, uh, one of those two things, and um, and and they're all very peaceful. They're all very peaceful when you come to that point where you don't have to take a stand. We we, we just heard politics in Ukraine and and all the money in yeah, the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's very important that I don't take any stand. I can enjoy news. I think I learned it from George Carlin. I can just sit back and and yeah, enjoy the free show. Sure. Lean back and enjoy the freak show, right? When when we get born, we get a we get a we get a ticket to to the freak show. And if you're born in in the U.S., you, you get first row seat, right? That's I think that's it. That's and, interesting, or that's actually that's up, yeah, that's a real George Carlin. I I um a podcast 
current podcast a couple of weeks ago or something, I mentioned him and Richard Pryor as well. And I kind of go on this rant in this podcast. But I've always thought these stand-up comics were the closest thing we have societally to Zen masters. They kind of skewer everything. So there's a wonderful set of lines from the Xinxing Ming, which is uh, the earliest Chinese uh, Chan Zen poem we have, where he says, uh, it gets around to the same point. It says, trying to stop activity to achieve passivity, the very effort fills you with activity. Remaining in one extreme or the other, you will never know oneness. Not knowing the deep meaning of things, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. And then it goes into um, uh, denying the reality of things misses their reality. Asserting the emptiness of things misses their reality. The more we talk and think about it, the further astray we wander from the truth. Stop talking and thinking and there is nothing you will not be able to know. <laughs> it's very much the same sentiment. But, you know, practically speaking, and most of these teachings, by the way, in Zen, they're mostly, Dogen, for instance, when he says, think neither good nor evil, right or wrong, he means when you're on the cushion. When you get off the cushion, you go out there, you're faced with good and evil, right and wrong all over the place. You don't have any choice. you got to, you got to make decisions, you know. But when you're sitting in meditation or when you're doing your contemplation, if you can suspend all of that kind of judgment, it's possible for you to get, the theory is that it's possible for you to get to a deeper level of your own reality. And then when you go back into the fray, you're probably going to be more capable of making the right decisions in all of the conflicting things. So I don't think these teachings are meant for you to just drop, tune in, turn on, tune in, drop out, you know. Uh, but they're more like uh, when you're contemplating this whole catastrophe, suspend those judgments for this time so that you're not getting in your own way. And maybe you will get to a level of grasping the situation we're in that would be akin to Buddhas or akin to Lao Tzu's or akin to these great sages of the past. And then when you do go out into uh, the environment, chances are you're not going to be the blind leading the blind or the blind following the blind. You may be able to see the situation with some clarity. So I think that's the only hope we have. And then and the ripple effect, the more people who are like that, the less Ukraine type events maybe we'll see in the world hopefully so there's another hand up so Ted um, I'm reading from uh, Benjamin Hoff's translation he's, he's quite different um, but in all respects the same as what you've been talking about recently uh, Michael um, let me let me just read this the common people are bright bright I alone am dim, dim. The common people look, look. I alone am hidden, hidden. Tranquil as the sea and constant as a high wind. I alone differ from the rest. And yet, I appreciate being fed by our mother. It seems like what he's maybe saying is he may be hidden, hidden. 
but he's as tranquil as the sea and as constant as a high wind. It's pretty powerful. That's similar to the Jonathan Star where he's talking about being in the limelight. You know, I, I'm, I'm quite happy to step back and let others have the limelight. I'm quite happy just to step back, do what I need to do, do the do the right thing that's in front of me and just let everybody else do what they but need to know, do. But you know, I think you want to contextualize this as well. We now live in a time when the smallest number of people in history have the power to inflict the greatest amount of damage on the largest number of people ever in history. At the time these were written, if you're going to get into it, it's swords and, and knives or sticks and stones and clubs. You know, they didn't have, they maybe had a bow and arrow at the, you know, by then, but they didn't have rocketry that you could fire on somebody 50 miles away and hit that target accurately. We have to take all this, we have to contextualize this and understand that people have the problems they can afford to have. You don't have enough roots and berries. Your problem is you don't have enough roots and berries. Once you get enough roots and berries, you can maybe wage war on the next door tribe to get their women or get something they have that you don't have. But up until then, roots and berries is the problem. So now, in this case, if I'm walking around in a situation where nobody is really threatening me, I might take this same position. But in the context of what we're living is, this sounds a little arrogant. But we have to remember that this person was not living in the situation we are living in. It would be interesting to try to rewrite this in the context of, you know, being shelled by an enemy or having a hurricane coming at you. Of course, they had hurricanes, they had tornadoes, they had uh, volcanoes, they had famine, they had pestilence, they had pandemics, or endemics at least. So they were facing, on the basic level, the Buddhist teachings are noble, I think, because they're like the noble gases. They don't change with circumstance. There is the existence of suffering. We are to try to fully understand it. There is... And so forth. Well, Those truths are true at all times and in all places. Yeah. What I was thinking was, um, if we were to put this to a modern, a modern take on it, could it be a case mm-hmm. of we really have nothing to prove to each other if we just get on with what we're supposed to be doing ourselves? One of the we didn't have what, enough what? We didn't have enough what? We, we don't have anything to prove to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. One of the yeah. one of the verses one of the verses mentions I'm like an idiot. My mind yep. is swimpy, and it's just all, it's important to remember that the word idiot isn't as in the, the term idiot that we would use. It's somebody without knowledge. Um, I, I am without knowledge. My, my mind is so empty. Yeah, those days, that. the original meaning of idiot is not that. The original meaning of idiot is somebody who's just out of the mainstream. It's not a pejorative. Right. And so at the, the end of that same verse, Shinsing Ming, which means trust in mind, from Sung San, the third patriarch in China, third Buddhist patriarch. Uh, after Bodhidharma and then Hueke and then there's Sangsan. So that shows how early it is, around 600. Uh, the end, toward the end of that verse, it says, uh, ministers serve their lords, children obey their parents. Very Confucian sounding. Uh, children obey their parents. Not obeying is not filial, which is a high value in that time, filial, filial piety. Uh, not obeying is not filial. Failure to serve is no help on the part of the minister. And then it goes on to say, 
uh, with practice hidden, function secretly like a fool, like an idiot, just to continue in this way is called the host within the host. I'm sorry, that's not Xing Xing Ming. That's uh, Precious Mir Samadhi by Tozan around 800. He was the founder of Soto in China. So like a fool, like an idiot, you hear the same language here, functions secretly like a fool, like an idiot. So you can externally, you can serve the minister, serve your Lord as a minister. Children could be obedient to their parents and so forth. We can do all of this stuff on the social level. But internally, your world may be entirely different from what it looks like externally. You are functioning like a fool, like an idiot. You're not trying to convert everybody to your belief system, your way of your philosophy. Does it? We have a hand up again. I was thinking earlier when we were talking about, you know, like our money going to Ukraine for for defense and those kinds of things and not having a choice in that um, and what modern language might cover some of this. And it seems to me like what modern language might cover some of this is the serenity prayer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus, there is something you can do about it. You can vote the bastards out next time. Good luck. That yeah, seems to be breaking luck. down. God grant me the discernment to choose somebody better. Right, right. I think maybe Ron Hogan really has this. I, I, you know, usually I kind of shy away from Ron Hogan because he's so direct, but let other people get excited about stuff. I'm not going to hang on to anything. I'm not going to fill my mind with ideas. I'm not going to get stuck in a rut tied down to any one place. Other people are clever. I guess I just must be stupid. Other people have goals. I just must be aimless like the wind or the waves. (laughs) <laughs> just, just, you know, I mean, just saying that you must be aimless like the wind or the waves. Oh, my gosh. You know, let other people get worked up and try to enjoy themselves. I'm not going to give myself away. A baby doesn't know how to smile, but it's still happy. There's, there's only one problem with that excitement there. I love getting excited. I love <laughs> getting excited about a vacation I have to go to get out of my normal routine. Or something going going in to see that stupid Maverick Tom Cruise movie that was uh, at thirty years in the making. Come, I was excited about seeing uh, seeing that again, and I love that, and, and that's that's interesting. But um, my but first I, marriage was kind of like that. My first wife, bless her heart, uh, we weren't living unless we were yelling at each other. You know, it's the adrenaline, the adrenaline rush, and. Uh, you, you suspect that behind a lot of this movement and I'm on this side of it and you're on that side of it is the adrenaline rush. We're really living now. We're out here on the line. We're, we're alive. <laughs> but if I'm at home, I'm just kind of like depressed all the time. <laughs> that that kind of reminds me of my dad where, you know, we used to say that my dad's not happy unless he's unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's the chemistry. It's the body chemistry. <laughs> If I can work up a good mat against something, you know. Anything else before we close? Uh, let's see. The um, the trial thing is interesting. Uh, there's another stanza of one of the verses says, uh, um, like a newborn child, fully endowed with five aspects, no going, no coming, no arising, no abiding. And it says, Baba Wawa, is anything said or not? Baba Wawa is like 
Kurudada, baby talk. Baba Wawa. It's not Barbara Walters. It's not Barbara Walters. She she was not known in China. <laughs> it says Baba Baba Wawa. Is anything said or not? In the end, it says nothing, for the words are not yet right. And it goes on into the hexagrams and things of that nature. So it, I think what it's pointing to is returning to a kind of childlike innocence, but with the full maturity of an adult. Almost like accepting things for how they are. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, look at a child, a child, a newborn child is the most selfish thing in the world. I mean, but it doesn't know it's selfish and, and so forth. Baby doesn't know how to smile, but it's still happy. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Sensei. It's My pleasure. Um, guys, thanks very much for joining me. And we'll catch up with you next week. So have an amazing week. We'll see you soon. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.